0: Hey, Mike. Good to see you. I'm
1: doing well. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah. So here we are this beautiful Sunday morning. It's nice out. Um, so anyway, hey, I got two items I kind of wanted to cover. It's kind of like a, a podcast where it's like a we're going to do two items in one podcast. OK, but, but one of these I, I kind of got inspired by a talk that you gave a while back. And this is kind of regarding, uh, there's a few things you could roll up into this, I guess, but basically keeping cool in stressful situations. And I've got some ideas on how to do that that are a little bit different than maybe the physicality of it. But you you talk a little bit about this, of course, in in guerrilla mindset. But um, talk to me about how you handle a stressful situation and, and, you know, some of your stuff, whether it be breathing, whether it be, you know, body language, whatever it is. I think we all run into these situations, whether it be, you know, an argument with a family member that maybe triggers you or something crazy happens at work or, you know, a legal issue or, you know, an addiction issue or, you know, uh, somebody breaks into your car and smashes all the windows. I mean, talk to me about this and and how does Mike Cernovich keep his cool in situations?
1: Yeah, we've talked about this um, before, which is that you always want to deconstruct Whatever a negative feeling is, that's how you – I guess how I came up with gorilla mindset. So here, here's what I mean by that is when I was in a bad mood, I would just say like, well, how do, what's the physiology of a bad mood? And what do you do when you're in a bad mood? And when you're angry, what do you do? And I thought and thought and thought about that, and then I realized anger is what you would call a forward emotion. And here's why that matters. Because, we, you know, we always start conceptually a little abstract. And, you, you know, have you ever heard the expression take a step back? Right? Sure. Okay. Well, that's an embedded metaphor of our language, which is that anger is forward moving. So if you're angry, you're going forward in, into some situation and probably bad, like a bull charging forward. So then what I would tell people is I go, well, if you're angry, sit back. People go, that's dumb. Have you tried it? No. Okay, well, how about you try it next time? You know, to give people my little, you know, B-I-T-C-H face. Because so much people are like, well, that's dumb. Have you tried it? No. Okay. Why don't you try it? And you find out, okay. If you're angry, your, your body language is forward-facing, your shoulders are pronated, you're leaning forward, you're wound up, wound tight, just lean back. Lean back a little bit. Now, does that cure it? No, but it gets you adopting the mindset of realizing, okay, anger is a forward emotion. Depression is a backward emotion. So if you're depressed, you just, uh, oh, you know, the weight of the world, I feel the weight of the world upon me. These are metaphors we live by. George Lakoff wrote a great book about how the metaphorical structure of our language controls our lives or how our lives are controlled by our metaphors. It's very chicken and egg. So, for example, in subcultures and some cultures, time is behind us because we can't see time. The past is in front of us because we can see the past. And, you know, yeah, that actually makes sense. But in our world, the future, you're facing the future. You have your whole life ahead of you. Your future is in front of you. And that's how we understand time and time is behind us. You can't go back in time. But... No, you can say that the past is in front of us because that's what we can see. The future is behind us. The future is uncertain. And if you view the the future as uncertain, culturally you're less likely to evolve because you'll spend too much time ruminating over the past because the past is in front of you. That's an example of a metaphorical structure. And then you start to notice these language patterns. I feel the weight of the world upon me, the gravity he was way down, albatross around his neck, probably a hundred other ways of saying, okay, so depression is backward moving, anger is forward moving. So if you're depressed, lean forward a little bit. Don't lay down. Just sit down. I'm still depressed. Yes, you don't get to flip a switch and magically you're not depressed anymore. Um, if you're angry, you need to lean back. You're not magically angry anymore, but you're resetting your emotions because you're providing a counterweight to how you feel. So that's one is you always analyze yourself. I'm mad, I'm fired, Uh," you know, you can see you get tense. Okay, people go relax. Well, relax doesn't help you. How do you relax if you're tense? Well, if you're relaxed and you're tense, just open your hands, right? Because nobody who's angry is laying back. If you're angry, you're not leaning back. Resting, now your mind is still gonna spiral out of control. Again, anger is a movement emotion forward moving. My mind was spiraling out of control. Well, that, you know, you're angry, but you, you start to, again, wind down a little bit. So you realize, okay, if you're angry, don't keep going forward. Negate the emotion by doing its opposite. So if you're clenching your fists, open, just, you open your hands up. Draw your shoulders back. Flex your scapula. Bring your subscapula into your back. Lean back physically. Maybe go lay down. It's hard to, you know, you notice when you're angry, it's hard to lay down, right? You're in bed, about to fall asleep and something hits you and you want to get out of bed and you want to stir, you, right? It's very actually hard to remain angry if you're laying down. So the answer to that is you just keep laying down rather than just say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm just going to stop being angry. We don't stop being anything. We find the duality of all things. We find the duality of anger, the opposite of anger. If you're depressed, you find the opposite of depression, where just one step forward could be. So that's how you start to hack into the physiology. Same thing too, we did a whole talk on public speaking. And the number one public speaking tip that I have for people is learn how to control your breathing because if your breath is under your control, you're not gonna be afraid. How can that be? It goes back to what we just talked about. Analyze your physiology. If you're breathing rhythmically and in control, you're not going to be fearful because you're focusing on your breathing. You're not focusing on whatever you're afraid of. And when you're afraid, your breathing becomes shallow. So again, everything I always teach people, you have to learn how to view your body as a machine. So I don't, my body is organic matter. I view it as a machine that I've been placed in and sometimes the machine just needs like a tweak. And I find out, okay, the, you know if the engine's revving too quickly, then you you turn down the regulator a little bit, right? Same thing, okay, your breathing is shallow. Why is it too shallow? Because you're angry? Okay, control your breathing. Learn how to control your breathing, deeper breaths and through your stomach. And then suddenly you fi- you figure out you're not even afraid anymore because you become so focused on your breathing. And that's, again, how you hacking your physiology and you do that with all of your emotions and it isn't easy but a lot of times the best you can do is you just mitigate a bad circumstance
0: and so you do some exercises when we're talking about breathing you do some cold water exercises i think you use your your swimming pool in the winter time or you've got an ice bath or these kinds of things do you feel those things really help and in training your body to respond in in the way that you want it to
1: um yes i'm big on the wim hof breathing i've recommended his stuff a lot Mm -hmm. and that's but for a number of reasons one is you when you because when you get in the cold water even if you've done it for a long time it's just it's miserable it's never not unpleasant you know i can't wait to dive into cold water and have my body go into some kind of like physiological shock but you get in there and you're terrified, and then there's always trepidation before you get in the cold water. That's why it's such a beautiful way to just deal with your fear every day is, you're not like, when I, and, it, and then when you get into the cold water and, and you control your breathing, you calm down, and then you think, why well, was I even afraid 10 seconds ago, right? But then the very next day or even the next round, that's what's so beautiful about fear, how it really never goes away. A lot of times I'll do five rounds hot cold, uh, jump into the cold, and then why well, was I even afraid? That was dumb. I'm calm. I'm great. Get out. Right. Water. Back in the cold. Oh, God, I don't want to you know, do this again. Even though you've went through that process over and over again, and you do, you just learn, okay, why was I afraid? And then, of course, you develop a singular focus, a singularity of focus, which is, for all of us, there's so much going on all the time. And it's very rare that we just focus on any one feeling, experience, emotion. When you're in the cold water, it is a binary you're either going to stay in or you're going to get out. I don't care how many bills you have or if you got broken up with or whatever issues people are dealing with. There will be a point, if you're in the water long enough, where you will not even, that will not even be in your consciousness. Because the only Mm. thing you'll focus on is staying in the water for another second. That's all you'll focus on. And then as you do it more, you do hit like a euphoric state where you get out and you feel like you have almost like a God consciousness where you're aware of everything simultaneously. And that's why people who do it tend to, even though it's not fun, that's why people who do it tend to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. you go in and you come out and it's endorphins. And I'm sure there's a you know physiological explanation for it. But then you feel like you have a sort of hyper awareness. And then of course your body warms up again naturally and whatever bullshit you were dealing with before you're gonna deal with there. But you're better you're better equipped to deal with it because we all you know, we all get into these situations. There was a great book by it's called The Last Lecture. It was a professor had a pancreatic cancer and he went on a teaching series or lecture series called the last lecture and then book. and so many times myself included we we focus on utterly solvable problems but we only focus on the problem one example he gave was a student came to him and said oh my god i'm freaking out you know i have this credit card bill and panicking and he's like well how how often do you think about it she's like well all day and all night really you know and he said well Mm -hmm. so four hours a day and she said yeah and he said well Why don't you just wait tables for four hours a day? (laughs) And you'd have the credit card bill paid off in like eight weeks. And to her, yes. And then she did it and and paid it back. But that's all of us. We just deal with different problems at scale. Oh, I'm afraid that this thing is going to happen. And most of the time, like there's some things out of our concern, out of our um, care. And by care, I don't mean emotionally. I mean, there's nothing we can do to change it. Your ch- child has cancer or something. OK, there's nothing you can do about that. You're just going to be depressed. you got to use the mindset techniques to keep it together as much as you can. But right. that's one in 10,000. That's not most people are freaking out about. Oh, this is going bad or this is going south. OK, keep a diary. How many nights is this ruined? Four of your nights? How many hours? 20 hours? You could go dig through trash cans to probably make enough money to solve that, or you could get a, a menial job on Upwork or something, making ten or fifteen dollars an hour, and and put a dent into it. Even if you think about just the smallest amounts of money, but unless unless you're really proving proving um how to improving your focus, and when you're in the cold water, your focus is on you just very survival, or it's very much singular. Am I going to get in, or am I going to get out of the cold water? Unless you're training that regularly, when life hits you, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Things are getting out of control or whatever. And almost never should that be the case of people. And Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. I I certainly – because when I – the only difference between me and everyone else is I just have the tools. So when I see this stuff happening, I'm like, yeah, you're really wound up about that. But if you just did these three or four other things, then whatever you're worried about would just go away. It wouldn't even be So why are you doing this? And then I I, I check myself and adjust it. That's what is applicable in one in a thousand. There's a one in a thousand where it's just going to be bad, right? Yeah. No
0: way around. I've, I've certainly found, you know, through maybe in a less physical way, but, you know, I learned this about myself when I was young, that if I start to slow down what I'm doing, then I start to get depressed. Okay. So if I don't have eight different things going on Mike gets depressed right so I have to the way that I do it is I compartmentalize by having multiple activities going on now for me that's always been business things so I'm able to kind of take that anxiety or that fear and route that into money-making pursuits which uh, has served me very very well but I do know that if I start to throttle back I have to fill that void with something right and it could be you know like we had a podcast a prior podcast where we talked about writing okay so for me I might throttle back on one on a business of mine but I've got to refill that so maybe I I refill that with starting a blog and writing or something so for me it's it's keeping my mind active on on different pursuits and if I don't do that, I I do kind of fall into a uh, depression or I start having irrational fears about, oh my gosh, this could happen or that could happen. I mean, I still have a fear of like, man, if this doesn't work out, how am I going to eat? You know, and (laughs) I haven't had that fear since I was like 20 years old. Right. But I still kind of revert back to that where I'm like, you know, I got to keep busy. So I I do that whole compartmentalizing things where I, I take different ideas, but I try to stick them in a box. And then I keep the lid on that box by jumping over and starting to work on another uh, thing and taking that out of the box to to work on it. So for me, it's, it's shifting my mind around strategically without that worry. It's like that person that you talk about with the credit card bill. Well, that would be me. That's how I would fix it is I would go and I would get a a job waiting tables four hours and then I'd come home and if I was worrying about it again, I'd start a blog and try to do some affiliate links or something. So that's how I I deal with that stuff is try to pour myself into my craft or create a new craft to, uh, to work on.
1: Or work yourself into exhaustion. I'm a big... Fan of that, I got it from uh, Dale Carnegie. He wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People, but he also wrote How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And very mm-hmm. often, that just just work yourself until you can't be worried. So if you're laying in bed at night and your mind is spinning, you can meditate. Is that working? No. Self-hypnosis working? No. Bernardo beats working? No. Okay, get up and work until 3 in the morning. Right. And then just get up tired as all hell and work and collapse when you go into bed, there's just something you said for work yourself into exhaustion.
0: Yeah, and, and actually I, I have had that throughout my life where I've run into some very stressful things in my career and people are like, how do you handle the stress? Well, you know what, I work all day Do some family stuff and then work some more i fall into my bed exhausted i wake up three or four hours later with uh an unbelievable amount of anxiety and i freaking get up and work on my computer for an hour and a half until i'm exhausted again and then get back into bed and sleep for another three hours and if that's the way you have to do it and work through it and you know what at the end of the day when you look backwards you're like man I really got a lot done and then anxiety propelled me forward. So I actually use that as a gift to propel me further down the road. And a lot of times that's what happens, at least in my life, that that's always happened is you know, you have these irrational fears about things, or you build something up to be bigger than it really is. And then if you're able to take that energy and plow that into something that's productive, you can actually turn this this wart into something beautiful. So um, or certainly something that, that puts you further down the path on whatever path you're on. So, and the
1: uh, piece of hell of just whining, it just beats the hell of just stressing out because the time, so much of mindset is just you're going to spend the time anyway. I, right. Even like when I parent with Syrah and she throws a tantrum, I just say, Syrah, do you feel good? No. Okay, well, then why would you throw a tantrum? You don't feel good about But in our own mind, I realize this raising a kid, we still are controlled by a lot of these just id forces where I'm just going to be in a bad mood for four hours. Okay, you're going to be in a... The four hours is going to occupy you or you're going to occupy it however we perceive time and our relationship to it. But you're either going to be there wound up and miserable or you could just go take a walk for four hours until your feet hurt so much. And then suddenly whatever you were stressing out about... You're now thinking, you know, my feet are swollen up from, you know, walking 15 miles or something like that. Exactly. Now you're focusing on something else. But we're not uh, we're not just instructed on how to do all this stuff. Nobody, nobody tells you that. Everybody just says you go from a state of being to a state of not being, which isn't how it works. Just stop being angry. Well, you mm-hmm. can't. But you can take a step back. You can open your hands up. You can retract your scapula. You can go lay down. And if you're so angry that you can't get off the bed or that you can't sit still, good, stay in bed. Could yeah. throw your phone against the wall too because you're about to do something really self-destructive.
0: You know, for me too, and I, I think that this is kind of some of that mundane stuff that people say, oh, well, these podcasters, you know, some of this stuff's really boring. And this subject right here might not be the most interesting subject in the world, but if you grasp, this was 17, 18 minutes. If you grasp what was just... Um, explain to you, I don't think I can overestimate how powerful this will be in your life these are like this is like a real life skill that sometimes people take 10 or 15 20 years even to figure this stuff out and if you're taking this and you, you can uh, deploy this into your own life right now I the impact that this could have positively within your life is really 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 beneficial it took me a long time to really look backwards and understand this.
1: Sure, nobody wants to hear the basics. That everybody wants to hear, like the latest move or the latest. uh, People are doing cry or whatever. Like the cryo is great, ice baths are great, far infrared saunas are great. I'm a big fan of you know this all great stuff, but people don't want to learn the basics. And if you don't ever master the basics, you shouldn't be focusing on this friend stuff. I would notice that too, even with like health and fitness people. Oh, how many grams of carbohydrates relative to protein post workout? And they're not even lift. You, you see them in the gym. They're not even lifting hard. They're because they don't even know how to lift. They don't even know how to perform a basic lift. And that's what so much of mindset is: is applying the basics, reinforcing the basics, and then you become better at the basics. And John Jack Machado, actually a jujitsu guy, said that the more he learns all the new moves, and he says the more moves he learns, the fewer moves uses.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. Okay, so. Shifting gears here a little bit, I, I get a lot of these, you probably get a zillion of these, but something that we've talked about in the past was about how to network with people and, and, and building networks and things like that. One thing we haven't talked about, which I think a lot of people um, need a lot of help with, is how to properly network online. Okay so I yesterday I got three messages on I don't know if it was messenger or twitter or instagram whatever where I've got a, a a guy in this one instance where he sends me the wavy emoji like this and then how are you mike don't know this person never met him don't know anything about him subsequently I get two more that are virtually the same thing and I'm thinking to myself You know I'm a busy guy. You know I'm a busy guy. You know a lot of people out there are really busy people. Who taught these people? Or why do they not understand how to approach people online? It's just I I I, I'm flabbergasted. I mean, how to
1: win friends and influence people. There's an answer to that. The answer is they've never won. They've never read how to win friends and influence people. The basics. They want you know they're on Twitter and social media and. You know, these message boards and God knows what else. Have you read how to win friends and influence people know? Okay, then don't talk to me. Don't send me an email. Don't send me a message. Just don't, because you won't even do that basic fundamental, develop that basic fundamental skill. And that's why, because most people aren't raised um, well. People are like raised by wolves, myself included. I just happened, I had to learn everything, everything I know I had to learn. And then as I learned, I was able to apply my own techniques and my own moves to it. But yeah, I had to learn, okay, you're going to pitch somebody. How are you going to pitch them? Well, f- make sure you spell their name right. You wouldn't, be- you wouldn't believe how many people can't even spell your name right. Oh. Uh, and you start well, off, Mr. 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 Boleyn, comma. Maybe, some people would use a colon because maybe that's a little bit more formal. But if you don't even know that you would say Mr. Boleyn, maybe use a comma, maybe use a colon, just stop right there and go read how to win friends and influence people because you don't even know that there's a certain uh, style, especially amongst people in uh, you know an older generation. Mister Boleyn, comma, I really enjoyed your podcast about X. It made me think of Y, and then and then do your pitch. And don't ask for money. Ask for advice if you want if you want money. Ask for advice, and if you want advice, ask for money.
0: And I'll tell you something. I. I with with getting these messages on a more routine basis, it, it is shocking. And I, they're, I actually don't like the DMs. Let me just say that. I don't care what platform you're on, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Stop using the freaking DMs. It, it, I mean, if I, if I start a thread on Twitter, and it's a thread about how to buy a house, okay, an investment property, why are you DMing me, asking me, some mundane question about it, at least get into the fucking conversation online. I mean, we're, we're doing this online, right? It's not like anything that you're asking me is top secret government classified information that needs to be hidden from everybody else. This is another thing. It just It's like a pet peeve, right? It drives me insane. Why are you DMing me? Put it on the freaking post. Have the conversation. At least everybody else can can participate and maybe even add some value that I cannot add.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of so people if you're listening don't, you know, DM him, ask him in the thread. That's the the best way to do it.
0: Yeah, it's it's get into the thread, get into the conversation. I'm far more likely to respond to you in a DM later if I'm like, "Oh, well this guy, you know, we've commented and gone back and forth on Twitter a few times and he seems halfway intelligent and he asks some, you know, interesting leverage questions that you can't just readily google and stuff and I'm like, "Oh, well this guy's kind of you know he's done some homework. He's he's intelligent. You know, interesting guy. And then you know maybe he DMs me you know for some uh, some advice when I'm not tweeting or talking about that thing. That makes more sense to me. But just out of nowhere send these DMs is just, folks stop doing it. And for somebody like you, you probably don't even look at them anymore.
1: I I skim them. You know yeah I, but yeah I get way too many to keep track of.
0: Yeah. So it's just one of those things, and I think that that's real basic online networking stuff: is get involved in the conversation, and maybe you got a different take, but for me, it's even better. Yeah, get involved in the conversation. I mean, hey, maybe maybe maybe,
1: we'll we'll, we'll do we'll do them better. Leave a review if you're on the iTunes store for the podcast with your question. Say rate the podcast, and then post your question. And then we'll answer those questions. So you can say, you know, whatever your review of the, the podcast is, and then you can say what I like about the podcast, and then post your question. We'll read all of those.
0: You know, we could do we could do a really great episode on that. So let's let's plan on doing that, folks. Go onto the iTunes, do your your review, and then ask a question, and then we'll go through and, and knock those out. We could do like a little screen capture for each one, put it up on the screen, and then. Um, and we've got the technology to do that. Mike and I both got some fancy new podcast equipment here for season two, um, and we could put that up on the screen and then go through each one of those questions. You know, assuming that they're not horrible questions. Yeah, you know, perfect.
1: All right. So on that note, leave your if you're listening on a device, it's pretty easy. You just swipe over, put the star rating, type in a few words, hit submit. Takes you less than thirty seconds. And those questions we'll be answering in a special edition of this podcast.
0: I'd love that. Okay. That's great. Okay, Mike, it was good seeing you today. We got some great information here. Hopefully some people can put it into play.